and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode 11.2. This is part two of our trip to Southern Florida, Everglades, and Biscayne National Parks. So in this episode, we will be talking about Biscayne National Park. If you want to go back to our first episode on Everglades, that is episode 11.1. In this episode, Brian and I and our two daughters talk about our trip and our experience at Biscay National Park. Before we get to the conversation, we would like to say how happy we are that park rangers and staff are back to work now that the government shutdown ended on January 25th, 2019, we are very happy they are back to work. However, there is a lot of work to be done to restore the parks, as I'm sure many people have read about all the damage that was done in their absence. So if you would like to help, we encourage you to go to the National Park Foundation's website where you can donate to the Restoration Fund. There's also a way to be notified about volunteer opportunities. Again, that is the National Park Foundation's website at nationalparks.org. Donate to their Restoration Fund and look up volunteer opportunities. Thank you so much for supporting the parks, for listening to our podcast, and now for our trip report on Biscayne National Park. Hi, Brian. Hi, Danielle. I'm excited to talk about Biscayne National Park. As you know, I like all the topographies and environments of our parks, but I'm very much a water guy. Always have been. I grew up near the water, so it's always fun to go to a national park that incorporates a lot of the seashore. So this was a fun one for us. It was. We did not get to spend as much time as I would have liked there, so we'll definitely have to go back, but we were able to spend one day, and that's because... There really weren't activities that were available for us. I think they had some issues. There's also the government shutdown and the organization that runs the tours, which is called Biscayne National Park Institute. They were facing some challenges as well with a a boat out of operation. So we had to make some other plans. Yes. Once again, we were there in the middle of the government shutdown. And as we said in the Everglades, this is another one where we thought carefully, are we adding to the burden by showing up during the shutdown? We were there. The concessionaires were running. Some boats were running. It didn't seem overwhelmed. The parks seemed to be in good shape. But again, I think there was also timing. Had we waited another few weeks with the shutdown going on, I think it could have been a different story. So we were there for a day. Uh, that's the only day that we we could have there. But I can't wait to go back when it's fully operational because I was more fascinated by this. So I was thinking about this before, you know, not to categorize national parks necessarily. I don't think the National Parks Service thinks about it this way or the Department of Interior. But there are some parks that are backyards for cities. So I'm thinking of Cayuga for Cleveland, Channel Islands for L.A., Mere Woods for San Francisco. Maybe even if you want to go historical sites, maybe Battery Park and Clinton Battery for uh, New York City. So this is one for Miami, right? So Biscayne is right by Miami. 
As a matter of fact, we'll talk about this in a minute. When we took a boat out to Boca Chita, you could see downtown Miami looming over the horizon as though it was a water world. But what fascinated me about this, and I want to talk about this a little bit, is the fact that this exists at all. This is a relatively newer park. I made a park, I think, in 1980, a monument in 68. When Miami was maturing as a city, I can't believe this park exists. It is a great story to tell, and hopefully we'll have a subsequent uh, interview to kind of go into the story. But it is just shows you the power of citizen action and the parks that this exists where there is this fairly wild place, 700 square miles, I think, which is water, which is land, which are islands. You can see downtown Miami, but you definitely feel like you're in the old Florida Keys when you're there. So it was a fascinating place to be. It was. And the citizen action is a big theme there, had to fight for it because they definitely had to fight off a lot of development there. It should have been developed. I mean, I'm not saying I want to develop, but just logically, uh, one would think this would be developed. It is though, being a New Yorker, it is though Brooklyn Heights and Bay Ridge in Brooklyn were made into a national park. And of course, that you know, it's one of the first things that was developed outside of lower Manhattan was were, were these spots. This is how close it is to Miami, to South Beach, right? South Beach and Biscayne ends, or uh, Key Biscayne ends, and Biscayne National Park begins. These are totally developed, and everyone knows what Miami Beach and South Beach looks like. Uh, that's what this should have looked like. And it's an amazing story that it does not. And it is there as a, I guess, a backyard for uh, those who live in Miami and South Florida, but it also exists as a national draw for for people like us. It was very pleasant to be there, and I think we'll get into some of the things that, that you can do. So maybe we should start with what we did. So you want to talk about our little trip? Sure. So what we did was there are several tours available through Biscay National Park Institute, and since we were restricted by the age of our kids, the only one available for us was the tour to Boca Chita. You have an hour, hour and a half or so to explore the island. There is a lighthouse there that is really just for decoration, an ornamental lighthouse. And then we went into the beach and swam at the beach for a while until we had to go back on the boat. But there are walking trails and more things to explore. It's the most popular island Boca Chita Key, accessible either through the tour or by private boat. And apparently on the weekends, it is quite the party place, lots of camping. And if you want to have a quiet getaway, it's probably not the place to be at its popular times. Yeah, and this is a flaw of Biscayne National Park that I hope will be corrected. By the way, I misspoke. It's 270 square miles, 700 square kilometers. Still, that's big. That's a, a big property. Uh, a flaw of the park, though, getting back, is uh, there is the piece of the park that's on the mainland with the visitor center, walking tours, the docks. It's very pleasant. But the main heart of the park are, are underwater, the water, and some of the smaller islands, including Boca Chita. Other than the concessionaire's boat to Boca Chita, there's not much else available. There's snorkel trips and that sort of thing. But if you wanted to have a little bit of freedom, you needed a private boat. So this lends it to the idea that it's a backyard of Miami, which is great. But one thing I was hoping is as things develop, they should have boats for hire. For example, at Boca Chita, they have campsites. 
And it seemed like a, despite how busy it is on the weekends, if you could be there at night with, again, downtown Miami looming over the horizon, the stars, this semi-developed island, that's a great spot to be. But there is no way to do that without having your own boat or having a pal take you out, that sort of thing. There's no concessionaire that can take you out. So I think I'd like to see a little bit more accessibility for Biscayne National Park. It's a bit of a flaw. But again, we, we were kind of exploring that from our end, not having a boat and being down there on vacation. There's still plenty to do. Again, this goes back to a recurring theme. You got to pay the piper and there's a concessionaire that you have to pay. I, we're on vacation. We're happy to do it. Recurring theme with Crater Lake, Yellowstone. In some regards, it's worth it. It's money well spent. Some regards as well at Biscayne, scratching my head of, you know, it's hard to get out there on the water. So I think that's something that I'd like to see addressed. So it can truly be a backyard for Miami or a national destination. If it had been developed way back when, and it would have been cut off because it was the very rich people who were trying to develop it. And thanks to the preservation and its park status, it is, it is available to anyone who wants to yeah. visit. So we are grateful for that. But they could definitely do some more for accessibility. It would. It would have been an even more exclusive right. South Beach. It would have been a South Beach on another level. In fact, Boca Cheetah was owned by a Honeywell. So as, you know, from the Honeywell Industrial Energy Company, and that was his playground, literally a playground where he had an elephant. And he had, as Danielle mentioned, he built a lighthouse that did not face out to the ocean, but faced in towards the mainland. And it didn't work. It was just there as decorative and something cool. And we climbed the lighthouse and it was neat, but it also seemed like a real extravagance. And just to note, if you are there visiting, the lighthouse is only open if you're on this tour or with a park ranger for someone to open it and to climb up and get a really beautiful aerial view. And you can see the islands and stuff. It's very nice. So let's talk about a few of the the tour options that are available through Biscay National Park Institute. As we said, we did the Pocachita tour. I talked to our guides on the boat, James and Harold, and they recommended a kid-friendly sailing trip. That's a two-hour sail and two hours on either Adams Key or Bocachita. And they have paddle boards and kayaks. And so for younger kids, that's a good one. The one that they said is one of their favorites, which sounded very cool, but our kids were both too young. Minimum age, 12 years old for Jones Lagoon Paddle. So that's a guided paddle. I don't know that you can get there yourself if you're not on a tour, but that sounded very nice. And so we'll have to go back when our kids are 12 to do that. So there are snorkeling trips. Minimum age is eight for snorkeling tours. We did tell them that our younger daughter, who's six, is a very excellent swimmer. And so we could have asked with the captain to see if they would allow us to go. We just didn't have time for that. We'll tell you later about our snorkeling experience the following day. So it ended up being all for the best. There's shipwrecks, part of the history at uh, Biscayne includes pirates. So that would be fun. There's guided paddling as I mentioned. And then you can rent gear and snorkel and paddle or kayak uh, right around Convoy Point. 
One thing that was unfortunate while we were there is obviously we mentioned that this is during the government shutdown and we saw advertisements and postcards and schedules showing programs, ranger programs and all these things that were not happening because of the government shutdown. So uh, that w- that was sad to see. A couple of things. You know, we shouldn't f- leave out fishing. Uh, neither you or I are fishermen, so I can't speak with great facility on this. Hopefully we can talk to someone who uh, can speak with facility on this, but it we were told that there's excellent fishing there. Not only, this is one thing that you can do from the mainland side of Biscayne, not only from the pier and the walking trail of Biscayne, landward side of Biscayne, but also obviously out from a boat and at the Keys. And apparently that is a uh, exciting place for fishing, something that we didn't do, but I think that's a great spot to be. And again, being that close to Miami, it's not far to to go to feel like you're getting away from it all, which seems to be an, an, an excellent thing. From the main visitor center, there is a great walk that just goes along the water. There's tons of fishermen <laughs> just along that walk. But if you're there and have some time before your boat tour, definitely do that walk. We did that. We brought our picnic, hung out at a bench, looking out at the water, saw lots of cool birds along the way. That You should definitely just do that walk either before or after your, your boat tour. Yeah, I'm glad we did that. That was a bit of a highlight, which I just thought would be kind of a time filler. But it was a very nice walk, especially there's an artificial, it was a pier that was built that has been changed into a walking trail with some great bird watching as well. It was a very nice, pleasant walk, and we had lunch there, which was nice. Like any park, there are invasive species, and we were coming out of the gift shop, which is up above, and looking out at the balcony below at the marina area. There were two big iguanas. I pointed to the girls, look, check it out. And we went down to go look at them more closely. They were pretty funny looking. And there was a law enforcement park ranger there right next to us. And she was telling us that they're invasive, they're not native to here, and that they're just a big, big nuisance and she hates them. (laughs) That's always unfortunate to hear. It's a cool looking animal. And again, being Northeasterners, didn't realize that it was invasive. Basically, it's a pet someone's let loose. So it's a, it's a bit of a problem. Danielle, why don't we talk about some of the other keys or islands that are at Biscayne National Park? Again, we were at Boca Chita, which, as you indicated, can be a, a popular island, especially on weekends. Again, we were there on a Monday and it was fairly empty, which was great. And, you know, we got to do a little bit of swimming, which is always great to swim in January. But what are some of the other keys that you can visit and what can you do there and what's special about them? So in addition to Boca Chita Key, there's Adams Key and Elliott Key. Adams Key is close to the visitor center. It's a small island that's available only for day use. It has mangroves where you can swim, paddle, and snorkel. On land, there's a picnic area, a short trail, and a dock, and the island once housed the Coco Lobo Club, which was a getaway for the rich and famous. And you need to access Adams Key by boat. Elliott Key is north of Key Largo. It's the largest island. It's approximately seven miles long. You can swim and paddle, camp, picnic. There's also hiking trails. It has Native American history. The Tequestra Indians used it. But its early settlers grew pineapples and collected sponges and also sought spoils from wrecked ships there. 
So those are the other keys that are available. So which one would you want to check out the next time we go? Elliot Key. That would be cool to camp there. Yeah, we heard a lot about that. So that would be, I don't know if it's officially backcountry camping, but it would be a little bit more out of the way than Boca Cheetah. So if you're camping at Boca Cheetah on a Saturday night, it sounds like it's a party. And so uh, you should be prepared. Whereas maybe Elliot, uh, no pun intended, a little bit more lower key. But I think you can, uh, I think that's where it's a, it's the analog to backcountry. Again, though, you need your own ride there. You need your own boat there. And the concessionaire or the park service has yet to figure out how to take just the general public, how they can get out there. So that's something that I think we can urge them to work on. Definitely high on my list when we go back at some point is to do Jones Lagoon. That really sounded cool to me. Now let's hear from our oldest daughter about how she enjoyed Biscayne National Park. Hello, thanks for joining me. Hello, it's a pleasure to be with you. (laughs) So how did you like Biscayne National Park? I think it was so much fun. So what did you like about it? Well, for one, I liked doing the Junior Ranger book. That that was a lot of fun and earning the badge. Yeah, so we were pretty lucky that we that we got to do that because the visitor center was closed. We were there during the government shutdown, but the bookstore was open. The people there were checking and and were able to give us a badge. We received the Junior Ranger booklet when we were back at Everglades. So it's the same Junior Ranger booklet for Everglades, Biscayne, and Cyprus, which we didn't get to. That was too far away and we didn't have enough time. There are different pages and different requirements for each, right? Yep. What did you like in the Junior Ranger book? Do you remember anything specific from it? I think I liked doing the word search for Biscayne. That was fun. Do you remember any of the words? Yeah, there was brain coral. There was also this, like, zinsulali. This, I can't pronounce it. And what, do you know what that was? Yeah, it belongs in the coral, and it gives the coral its color. Oh, okay, that's cool. I'm pretty sure. I should have had the Junior Ranger book handy so we could refer to it, but I don't have it near me. Tell me more about what you liked about what we did. Do you remember the things that we did while we were there? Yeah, uh, I I really liked going on the boat tour. Yeah, where did we go for the boat tour? We went to Boca Cheetah Island. Mm Mm-hmm. And what do you remember about that? What stands out for you? I remember there's a lighthouse. But the lighthouse is not to for like people for sailboats to see their way. It's to the person who used to own the island. It was to show off his wealth. It was more of a decoration piece. Yeah, and a lookout tower. Right. I know when we were talking earlier, you were saying that you really liked the history. The um, person's name who owned the island, his name was Mark Honeywell. And he was a very wealthy person at the time, and he loved to show off all his wealth. So he had a wife, and he had a lot of money, and he had, like, parties for other wealthy people, too, by Miami. Another thing Mark Honeywell had was 
a cannon and he would fire it every time he wanted to welcome someone to his party. Did Mark Honeywell stay there for a long time? What happened? So another thing Mark Honeywell wanted to do is to build a castle for his second, I think, second wife. On Bocachita? Yes. But only what happened was a castle wall, and then his wife had passed away, and he left the island and never came back again. So there is no castle on Bocachita, but you will see a wall. And then the island behind that was not developed, it looks like. And so that's where the castle was supposed to be. Yep. Can I tell a joke? Of course you can. We know how you love jokes. What's a dolphin's favorite type of toy? Okay, tell me. What? A doll. Of course it is. (laughs) So uh, did you come up with that one because we were hoping to see dolphins? Yeah. They told us that we sometimes see dolphins on that boat ride. But unfortunately, we did not. So we'll have to go back another time and hopefully see dolphins. Another thing I really liked was the hike we took. It's really fun, I think, is for all ages. On the mainland by the visitor center. Not all of the walk is on mainland. Right, we crossed a bridge. And what did you like about that walk? I liked how peaceful it was. And we actually saw a great white heron, I think it was, Mm -hmm. Um, and it just did not leave. And also for my Junior Ranger booklet, we had to sit somewhere in silence um, for one minute to listen to the sounds around us. And so we did that at the end of the walk, and... We heard all types of sounds, so like the waves crashing, but we also heard like a boat motor. So then the Junior Ranger booklet asked me, what sounds did you hear made by nature, and what sounds did you hear man-made? I think I remember another man-made sound. Do you remember? Yeah, we heard an airplane too. Oh, and my dad's timer going off. Why was his timer going off? Because he set the timer for one minute. Oh, (laughs) right. (laughs) Thank you. Forgot that. Yeah, we heard birds and the wind and the waves. That was fun. We all we all participated in that closing our eyes and listening to the sounds. That's nice to do sometimes. And you could always do that at home. Just the other day, I went to the beach and I did just that. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about for Biscayne? I wonder if there's an abyss in Biscayne. (laughs) <laughs> Get it? I do. You're on a roll. So um, would you like to go back to Biscayne someday? Definitely. And what would you like to do on your next visit? Do you feel like there are things you didn't get to do? Yeah. I want to go on the glass bottom. Was there a glass bottom boat there? No. The glass bottom boat was available at uh, John Pennekamp State Park. Um, Another thing I really want to do, go to the visitor center now that the government reopened. That's a good one. And hopefully on our next visit, we'll get to snorkel. Yes. And one more thing I want to do there is to do ranger-led programs. Absolutely. We love ranger-led programs. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your ideas and your thoughts about Biscayne National Park. Thank you. Bye. 
Okay, now we are going to talk to my youngest daughter. Say hello. Thank you for joining me. Hello. So what was your favorite thing that you did at Biscayne National Park? Well, I liked the boat tour. We went to this island. Boca Chita. It was like the swimming and there's a lighthouse. So we're asking questions. So our tourist guide, some questions when we were at the top of the lighthouse. Why are there those walls? This man, he was making this wall for her second wife for a present. But she heard she passed away. So then he never came back again. So that story resonated with you. Your sister told the same story, actually. Did you know that? So you remember that story very clearly. Do you remember something that he would have at his parties to entertain his guests? Oh, yeah. And once it was an elephant. That's right. He had an elephant. How crazy to see an elephant on this teeny tiny island. But I remember that (laughs) Hurricane Andrew. Oh, yeah. I remember sitting on this tree. It was sort of like a beach chair tree. It's like the hurricane went across it, but it was still alive, so then it tilted, and then it grew straight up. So it's like a huge beach chair. That's right. That hurricane struck Florida in 1992. There was a plaque on the mainland by close to the visitor center that said that the eye of the storm, the eye of the hurricane, went right through that spot. So these trees were knocked down sideways, but then over time, they grew and then continued to grow upwards. So it was like this chair, and they stayed alive. That's right. That's pretty amazing. Nature is amazing. So what did you like the best on Boca Chita? The swimming area. That's what I was thinking, you would say. Papa came in. Then he splashed around and shark attacked you, and then... Shark attack is a game <laughs> that they pretend to be sharks and come and attack me in the water. All in good fun. <laughs> and sometimes they save you, sometimes they don't. And do you remember, what did we see when on the sand? We were looking close to the water. That was fun. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, that little town of... Hermit crabs. It did look like a village of hermit crabs. There were so many of them. They were relatively big and in their big, beautiful shells. They weren't teeny tiny hermit crabs like we see at home pretty often. They were pretty small. Is there anything else you would like to say? I would like to say when we were going to leave, this other boat lost their motor. That's right. I forgot about that. So then... The people came onto our boat, we attached to their boat, and then the captain just drove, so then we went speedy fast, and then I still saw the boat, and it was just a black dot. Yeah, one of its motors went out to get the guests back on time. They they came onto our boat, so we saved passengers from a stranded boat, (laughs) and uh, that was a little bit of excitement. Any any other things that you want to share? We talked about these games in my Junior Ranger booklet. And then after I said the pledge, I got my badge. But that was great work. Good job. And hopefully, after listening to you, many other kids will become Junior Rangers and do the same. Thank you so much for sharing what you've learned with us. You're welcome. Bye.
again, we had to call an audible on what we would do on another day that we had earmarked for Biscayne, again, because of the shutdown. So we decided to do what I think was a theme at the time, which was those who were visiting national parks, perhaps take a a look at your state parks, something near and dear to our hearts, given uh, I have a position with New York state parks. So we were happy to cheat on New York state parks and check out Florida state parks. So Danielle, why don't you Talk about the state park we, we went visited to and what John we did John Pennekamp Coral Reef State Park. We were really hoping to get to snorkel while we were at Biscayne, but just the timing and the availability of the tours and age limitations did not work out. And so on their recommendation, they told us to check out John Pennekamp Coral Reef State Park, which I think was an hour away on Key Largo. And they offer snorkeling, diving, and also glass bottom boat tours. So we did that the next day, and the weather did (laughs) make a change. We were enjoying warm Florida sunshine in the winter, escaping the Northeast. But uh, the next day was much, much cooler. It was an April Northeast day, and we were there out in the water ready yeah. to jump in. It was and 60, windy, 65 degrees. a little cloudy, so not the most ideal, but it was that day or nothing, so we decided to just go for it. Thankfully, they had all the rental equipment you would need, and so we were able to rent wetsuits, which everybody on our, on our boat ended up going with the wetsuits, and that was a good choice. So we, we were comfortable. The water was... I think you were one, (laughs) but they did advise us to make sure we had a change of clothes and lots of layers for the boat ride back because it would be quite cold after being in the water and the water was much warmer than the air. The reef was a bit blown out, we were told, because of the hurricane just last year, Hurricane Irma. So it was a bit blown out, but still, and it was windy day, so it was a bit choppy. Going back to you know our bravado and braggadocio about our six-year-old and her swimming skills, which are you know, she's a good swimmer for a little six-year-old, a choppy ocean water, <laughs> it was a little bit intimidating for her. She went out, swam around a little bit, it got slapped in the face with a couple waves, and called it quits, which I understand. But when our oldest and you went out, and then later on I got to swim a little bit, I thought the marine life was pretty good. Seeing barracuda uh, is always a thrill. A, a, a bunch of uh, barracuda. Uh, it's pretty. It's a good thrill, and we saw a good spread of you know reef fish. So even though the reef wasn't as colorful as it could have been and a bit blown out, certainly the wildlife was there and and taking advantage of it. And uh, again, I felt like we stole one on a very cold day. And again, it's January, if we got to do a little bit of snorkeling. But again, this also came with a cost. We're on vacation. We bore that cost. But it goes back to I think with Biscayne National Park could really play a role in figuring out how to make these activities um, something where at least low cost or uh, or maybe even ranger-led and free. So if there's reefs that are swimming distance from the mainland, which probably not, or even better, boat tours, which are not costly, where one can snorkel at a reef. I'm thinking of Virgin Islands at, I believe it's Honeymoon Beach, where, look, that is the, even though that reef is well-trod, sadly, it is a place where if you want to snorkel, you pay the small park fee and then you can get out there and snorkel. You don't need to rent out a uh, space on a catamaran and go out to a reef. And I think Biscayne could use something like that, something that the average Miamian or somebody else could just be able to go snorkel or be able to swim around. So that being said, 
the state park as well was great. It was a it was a nice substitute. Everyone was very nice, and it actually ended up warming up at some point. We got some sunshine on the way back to warm up. So that was uh, mm-hmm. it was very Heading nice and a great two day visit. Going back to the hurricane, it was very evident the damage from the hurricane that they're that they're still recovering from. Underwater it takes more time than on land, but you can see trees going sideways and things like that. So in conclusion, you know, just to wrap this up, look, it's no secret. South Florida is amazing. South Florida, if you're from the northern part of the country, is amazing in wintertime. I think Biscayne doesn't get enough play, doesn't get enough press as a great visit. I think there's even more potential there for Biscayne National Park to be a real national draw. I hope we can advocate that that could be. But also, uh, not looking... Not taking anything for granted, I just go back to the public policy, which I'm fascinated to dig into this, hopefully in a subsequent interview, of, a, of how it came to be. It seems like all other logic anywhere else, this is a their condos or, as you said, wealthy big homes uh, on these keys. And the fact that it's a national park and a young national park, uh, there's got to be an amazing story behind that. So I'm, I'm curious to delve into there. So that, if not for that alone... I think you should visit Biscayne and, and give it your patronage just to kind of support the fact that uh, parks like this do exist where they probably shouldn't have. So, yeah, it was great. It was great to go, and I uh, it was a nice bonus to our trip down to South Florida for Everglades. Great trip. I definitely look forward to getting back there, especially when our kids are older and can do a little bit more. I hope you enjoy Biscayne National Park someday. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. While there, consider clicking on Support Our Show. You may find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like the show, write a review, give us a five-star rating, and please tell your friends. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or send us your comments at everybodysnationalparks.com forward slash contact. We'd love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybodysnationalparks. I would also like to give a shout out and a big thank you to Park Chasers at parkchasers.com. They have a great blog if you want to go ahead and check it out. Their January 10th, 2019 post listed the best national park podcast to listen to in 2019. We at Everybody's National Parks were so thrilled and just honored to be on this list. Thank you so much, Park Chasers. And listeners, please go check out parkchasers.com. Congratulations to the other podcasts listed there. We enjoy listening to all of your shows. The shows on the list include Gaze at the National Parks, America's National Parks Podcast, Podcast with Park Rangers, Switchbacks, and Wild Ideas Worth Living, along with our podcast, Everybody's National Parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.